a Podcast One production. With the business, I've always been very, like, it's it's my baby. It's so close to home, so I don't let anybody else, like, contribute mm-hmm. anything. Um, now I'm at the stage where, obviously, I don't, didn't have health insurance. I had to pay for spinal surgery. I In America, that was horrific. Um, and so that was my life savings gone. Welcome to Ladyland, a podcast by Lady Brains, where female founders step into our world. It's a world of change makers and innovators. We're talking to women paving their own way and extracting the very best lessons. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for ambitious women who are building businesses of the future. So strap in, fellow Lady Brain, and ride with us to Ladyland. Beck Donlan is an Aussie-born, New York-based personal trainer and health coach and is better known as Sweat with Beck. She's also the founder of Go Basic, a natural, healthy snack company. After years of hustling in NYC as a trainer to some of the biggest celebrities and models, Beck realised an opportunity in a rapidly expanding CBD industry and infused many of her Go Basic edible products with small doses of CBD. Side note, if you're unsure, CBD is more commonly known as the non-intoxicating compound of the cannabis plant. What you're about to hear is a really frank and honest conversation with Beck on her personal motivations for starting Go Basic, money pressures, and navigating an unpredictable legislative landscape around the CBD products in the US. We begin by asking Beck about the leap into founding her first company, the renowned fitness brand Sweat with Beck. So getting from hospitality to fitness, I realised there was a huge gap in the market as far as there was nothing um, that appealed to like the socialite, the PR girl, the person that wants to do both. Like it doesn't have to be fitness back then was like I'd think of it and it's like fake tans, chicken and broccoli. It was like, well, you're competing in a competition. It was like all or nothing. It wasn't, it was before the fitness trend really got cool. Um, but there wasn't anything that appealed for the person that wanted to do both. You know what I mean? So someone that like, yeah, I like to go out, but I also don't want to die and I want to be healthy. So can I do both? And so I found there was a really big gap in the market for that. And I'm like, that's it. I'm going to make fitness cool. That's my, that's my mission. So I quit my, most of my nighttime jobs and I started, I went to AIF and that's mm. where I started my little fitness journey. Um, but I got really into it. My whole life I've always been like nutrition obsessed. Like mm. I think they always say like, you know, whatever things you Google the most is what you're most passionate about. And so I was like, I'm, I, I guess I love yeah, fashion. Yeah. Fashion's my thing. Cause I didn't really know like what a passionate, like what passion was, like mm. how are you supposed to know? And I think there's so much pressure put on you at school to like talk about what's your passion? What's your passion? What are you passionate about? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I like fashion. I love it. I don't, I don't know if I'd like die for it. And I didn't get that. And it wasn't until I started the fitness thing where I was like, oh my God, wait, I get it now. I fully get it. So I was like, I already had this idea for fitness for hospitality, socialite people, and then, you know, making it cool. And this, so that's how they joined up, which is really cool. So can you tell us about starting your own PT brand? Like what did you do next? Um, so yeah, that was interesting. So I basically, I started, yeah, I studied at AIF and then I, my sister had the great idea. I was like, mm. okay, I've got to create a really good brand. It's going to be my brainstorming names. And she's like, you know, blood, sweat and tears with Beck. And I'm like, wait, sweat with Beck sounds great. Yep. So that had such a good ring to it. I was really into that. And so then that's how it all began. So everything was very like 
similar to me, very sassily branded, very funny, say it like it is because that's just how I am. So my, my was basically the brand was like an extension of myself. So then, um, yeah, I started doing Sweat With Beck stuff. So that was when Instagram, I think it was only like a year and a half old, um, but I was always really passionate about my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily cool at all at that time. Um, but, yeah, so I was really good at, like, getting into the Instagram thing. It's a good way of, like, a digital business card, mm-hmm. basically. And then I was basically training anybody I could, you know. So, like, you'd start off doing, like, free sessions for people and this and that and just talking to as many people as possible. Also going back to my hospitality network of people, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like, I'm like, you don't have to lie to me. I'm, I'm your friend and your trainer. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't have to be, like nothing's worse than going to a trainer on a Monday morning like how many drinks did you have on the weekend and they're like oh three and it's like 30 mm-hmm. you know so it's <laughs> like me. Yeah, exactly real. but you shouldn't mm. feel like you're going to school it should be something like you're paying the person do you know what you could say you did whatever the hell you want on the weekend that's okay you're here now you turned up that should be enough do you know what I mean but I feel like there was a bit of a stigma associated with that like doing the right thing yeah and yeah so that's how I started um sweat with Beck and then at the same time um, yeah, I was making the move over to America. So, mm. what was the impetus for that? What made you decide to like pack everything up, leave your friends and family, move over? So, me and two of my best friends that I used to do the door with, we quit our jobs, took three months off, and we did all of California. So, we did drove from San Diego all the way up to San Fran. We did Vegas. We did LA. We had like the best trip ever. Then we went to Miami, Bahamas, Cuba. And then it went back to L.A. When I went back to L.A., they'd already gone home and I was with my friend Tim Russell, also an Australian, and he was driving me to the airport and I was, like, sobbing. And he's like, what is wrong with you? He's like, get it together. And I'm like, I just don't want to leave. I'm so happy. And it was, I didn't, I, at that moment, and my girlfriends will still say it's really funny, like in Whole Foods, I was just like, oh, my God, this place is incredible. Like, one day I will have a, I will have something in Whole Foods. I have to Urban Outfitters. I was like, I will have something. You know, I have to have something here. This is amazing. I love this. I've got to do a product or something. And it's like I was just so hell-bent on the idea of moving to America. Like, this was home. And so my friend Tim's like, well, why don't you apply for the green card lottery? I'm like, that sounds like it's fake. And he's like, No. <laughs> It's like $50, you just apply mm-hmm. online, like, see how you go. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I applied for the green card lottery when I got home and I got super obsessed with the thought of winning. And that's what I think I got really into, like, manifesting things, like crazy. Like, I would wake up every night in the middle of the night with a dream, like, oh, my God, have I won? Have I won? Like, like literally thinking I won, like, frantically checking my phone for, like, nine months. And then it came to that day in October where I woke up in the middle of the night, like I had every other day for the last, you know, nine months, and I'd won. And I'm like, oh wait, this has got to be Did fake. you scream? I was just like shaking. I'm like, wow, this is real. And I remember telling my boyfriend at the time, my parents, and they're like, yeah, that does not sound real. I'm like, no, but it is. I promise. It's like, because the there, there was a lot of scam. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going around at the yeah, same time. Yeah. Everyone's like, no, it's just a fake it's one. Because I won two. I won. I won two fake ones before. <laughs> and so I'm like, no, this one's different. And they're like, sure. And then um, I came to New York and it was really funny. I was like, the first week was just like shell shock. I'm like, what Mm. the hell have I walked into? Um, And then after that, I'm like, wait, I think I love this. I think this is great. You're there to hustle. You're there to work. I just, I loved the vibe here. I'd never been in a situation or or a city where everyone was like me and everyone was a workaholic. And I'm like, wow, like you really get stuff done. Mm. I was like thriving. I loved it. So what was the very first thing you did when you came over to New York and you're like, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to try and build my brand and my business. 
and need to make money and survive and all of that. What did you do? So I think I had this pivotal moment where I'm like, wow, I know no one. This yeah. is cool. This is really <laughs> different. Fuck. This is very different. So, yeah, it's a, exactly. So um, I was like, okay, what's the best gym in New York? Okay, Equinox, cool. I'm going to apply for a job at Equinox. So I applied for a job at Equinox. I got a job at, like, the, the most elevated one, which was amazing, in the West Village, which is really cool. Um, and so that's how I started that. But straight away my first thing was like cool I'm gonna get a bar job because that's how I meet people so I was bartending at the same time it's hard being in a new city but at least um if you're working in hospitality you're straight away it's like instant money the money here in hospitality is great Mm -hmm. and so it's a good little like side hustle while Mm -hmm. I'm trying to build the brand you know what I mean so I'm like okay if I work at Equinox I'm gonna meet so many people I don't know how long I'll last there because I'll go crazy but you know at least it's like a way it's like a segue into the fitness space to even see what it's all about Mm because It's mm-hmm. so different, so different in different countries. In what way? Um, I didn't realise when I moved over here. Here it's like it's it's starting to catch on in Melbourne. Like the boutique fitness is huge. Mm. Like it's crazy. So here it's like people will spend so much money at the gym, whatever, and it's like a full lifestyle thing, you know what I mean? At home it's not like that at all, I don't think. Mm. Um, and here it has a bit of a cult following. Like fitness is a real culty vibe. So I built up a client base pretty quickly, which was great. Just through people that you met at Equinox? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is great. And then um, through Instagram as well, because it's like, you know, like yeah. I'm living over here, great. Mm-hmm. Um and then word of mouth spread so quickly with wow. training, which is great. So if I like made help someone lose thirty pounds, they're looking good, they're feeling good, and they're still being they're still able to drink alcohol and go out and have fun and enjoy New York. Like that spreads pretty quickly as far as like I'm like the cool trainer, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, was yeah. it results based driven or do you think people were really attracted to your brand as well? Think, and being an Aussie in New York. Yeah, I think being an Aussie really helped, that's for sure. Um, I've never been allowed to curse so much in my life. It's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that definitely made a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so how long did it take for you to really establish yourself and um, sort of your brand and your business to grow through word of mouth such that you were sort of getting approached and you didn't have to go out and try and seek, you know, your own clients and your own um, opportunities yeah, it took a while. So yeah. I think um, I had like a bit of a moment. I was still working at Equinox. I, I think I worked at Equinox for like, how long was it? Like a year and a half, a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely hated it. And I like really hated Why? it. Why? What was wrong? I just don't like being told to... Like, again being told what to do can you go around <laughs> the gym and like clean equipment no, no. like not at all like no <laughs> I'm just like why so I left and then I was kind of like okay like maybe fitness is not for me maybe I need to like maybe I should just be like it's really stressful I've got like four of my clients that I used to train with but apart from that I don't really have anybody it's like you know like money's stressful you're in New York ugh, like everything is like building up on me I'm like maybe I should just get like a job and like I don't know like manage something like manage a soul cycle I don't know like and so I was going through all the motions I'm like well like do I get a like do I get an actual job that pays a salary that I don't have to stress because one week I can be doing crazy well with sessions the next week I have no money at all because everyone decides to go on vacation because mm. New Yorkers travel more than anybody anyone. you know yeah. no one yeah. is There's, ever yeah. here that's hard because it's not consistent. It's not consistent in the slightest. So you have one day where you're doing 12 sessions and I'm broken. I want to die. Like I'm just like, mm. I can't even talk at the end of the day. And the next week it's like, oh, now you've got two day, two sessions a day. And I'm like, well, how does that happen? But it really does. Mm. And that's like the nature of it. So that was really stressing me out a lot. Um, and I remember saying, I'm like, okay, cool. Do you know what? 
I'm not going to get a full-time job, but I'm going to give it six months. If I'm still in this position in six months, do you know what? Maybe it's just not for me, but I'm going to go balls to the wall. I'm mm. going to give it my absolute everything and because I can't live with a what if. It, like, kills me. And so I'm just going to give it absolutely everything and see what happens. So then I, like, really upped the ante. I, like, booked a photo shoot for a new website. I did this, I did that. And I was like, I'm going to be everywhere. I'm going to make this happen. So what practically did you do? Like, you booked a photo shoot. You built a website. Like, what else did you yeah, do? so to- I relaunched my relaunched my website. I booked a photo shoot, like, to get, like, amazing photos. Um, I reached out to every brand I could in the fitness space, um, seeing if they wanted, like... To partner? To partner with anything, even if it was just, like, cool, like... Like, send me clothes, I'll post about them, whatever. Because my idea was, okay, cool, if I'm posting content for all these fitness brands or if I'm creating content for them, they're going to repost my photo. They have to give me credit. That's going to build my brand. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because I was like, that's just one way of building my brand. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I need, I need to be everywhere. Exposure. I need my, yeah, that's what you needed at the time. And it was like an easy way to get exposure without, like, I'm not going to, like, you know, get a PR girl or mm. anything like that. Yeah. I was making yeah. you, no money. You were your own PR girl at the yeah. time. So where were you after that six months? Building after, your personal brand. After building your brand and yeah. you checked in at six months and had you progressed in the way that you wanted to? Um, a fair bit, actually. Like, so I'd signed Puma, like, which was awesome to work with them as a brand. I'd got a full client scheme. So I was doing like 12 sessions a day. It was like running myself through the ground and I'd launched my first product as well, which was really cool. So they were the booty bands and the booty band workout videos. What made you launch those and what was the market wanting at the time? So the reason why I launched those is because I, like I said, clients were traveling all the time and I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know what I mean? So they'd, I'd train with someone five days a week because that's how dedicated they were. Then they'd go away for five and they'd be like, cool, did you work out? And they're like, no, I didn't oh. do anything. And I'm like, well, what about the workout you made me write for you? No, I didn't do it. Didn't want to go to the gym, couldn't be bothered. The gym sucked at the hotel and I'm like, this is so annoying. And so then they'd get back and they'd be back to square one. They'd be not motivated. And so then one of my clients is like, well, can you, can you just give me like something to do? Like, I don't know, like my hotel room. And I've gotten into the booty bands thing already because like I was born without a butt at all. Like my glutes do not fire at all. Um, no, it's, I think it's like a Legit. Australian thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Literally don't know. Glutes don't fire in, us in they, Australia. They don't. Um, and so I really got into the bands already. And so I'm like, okay, what about if we use these bands? I make a workout around the bands. 20 minutes in your hotel room, would you do that? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that because it's, like, tiny. It fits in your suitcase. Mm. It's easy to travel with. Um, also, I was travelling a lot, so I was getting annoyed mm. that, like, I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to Mykonos. Great. I'm paying an extra $200 a night to get a hotel with a gym that I might not even use or I'll get there and it's terrible, but I'm like, I can't travel without a gym. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm like, if I can create a workout for myself that I don't have to be in a gym for, this is great. Um, so my Amazon account was going through the roof because I was buying my clients' bands every single week and they kept on breaking and it was driving me crazy and I'd only want to use the hard one anyway, so I'd only ever use the black one. And they just kept on breaking and so it lasts like a week. And so I'm like, well, I'm so sick of ordering booty bands every single week for every person I know. This is stupid. I'm like, why don't I make my own? But I'm going to make them stronger. They're going to be fun. They're going to be branded. They're going to be so good. And this is when I got to use part of my like branding experience and my mm-hmm. copywriting because I love that stuff. For me, that's an actual passion. I live for copywriting. Like I think it's so much fun. Yeah. So that was your first kind of foray into product development and yes. 
you've now launched another brand, another business in the food sector. Yes. Called Go Basic. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that brand and how that idea was sparked? What sparked the food brand in general was um, I had spinal surgery 12 months ago, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. So being in fitness where I'm doing 45 sessions a week, teaching five classes and my whole life, booking shoots and this and that, my whole life revolves on what I look like and my body. Um, that was like, that really threw me for a six. Like that was like a lot. Do you know what I mean? What happened? Yeah, what happened? So I had two herniated discs and one broke off into a sequestered fragment. And so basically it broke off into five, like the disc broke off into five pieces in my spinal cord. And so it was like pushing on different nerves. So like I couldn't walk for like a month. It was kind of crazy. Like was Was that an injury from overwork or? Yeah. Yeah. What was the impact on your business? It was it was a lot. It was just different, you know what I mean? Because, like, you've gone from being, like, I really felt like a superhero. Like, I was the leanest I'd ever been. I'd have people stop me in the street. Like, I was just, I was feeling so good, you know what I mean? And I was just, like, like booking huge jobs. It was great. I was started doing, like, I was, like, fitness modelling stuff because, great, I'm, like, feeling good. I'm looking at whatever. And so things were just really falling into place and everything was great. And then... Um, I injured myself and then it just like really threw me off. So, but I dealt with it a lot better than I thought I would. So um, I started off, I broke my foot. That was the first one. And so I had a cast for eight weeks. And on the day I got the cast off, I um, herniated a disc in my back because I was so unbalanced. So that was great. And then... After that, that was like a really rough two months and I was like not dealing. I'm like, this is awful. Like obviously like gaining weight, like paranoid as all hell. Mm. And then it happened again and then it happened. And then I kind of got over it a little bit. And I was like doing more like cryotherapy every day and this and that, trying to do everything I could, but still working out, still working crazy hours. And then one day I was upstairs in my apartment jumping rope and something just went bang and I have no idea and I just I could not get up like I was like wait what the what happened and it's basically like that's I think when the fragment came off because and so that was pushing on my sciatic nerve so like the the pain down the front of my leg I literally went to saw my leg off I'm like this is awful but I could be having like every med known to man and nothing was touching the sides and I was like lying on ice with like my feet on the couch like at 2am my roommate had come out she's like what the fuck are you doing and I'm like I like in tears I'm like I've slept 20 minutes like the whole night and this just this lasted for so long and I'm like okay well Percocet's not making a difference. I can't have that shit every day. It's not good for me. No. It's like like a strong version of codeine. Mm, mm. Not okay. Um, and so then I was like, I need to delve into other things. And so that's how I got into the CBD space. For those of you who don't know, CBD is a naturally occurring non-psychoactive component of the cannabis plant that's found in hemp and marijuana. It claims to have many health benefits and is widely used to treat a variety of illnesses. In 2014, a farm bill was passed in America that made hemp legal, and this allowed the door to swing wide open for CBD products to flood the market. The most recent retail report predicts that products infused with CBD will lead to a market worth of approximately $20 billion by 2024. So CBD is really good as like an anti-inflammatory. It's really good for like calm your nervous system down. I was like a basket case. I was so on edge because I'm just not sleeping for that long. It's so bad for you. Also, I was in so much pain. So I started taking a lot of CBD morning and night and it really helped with the pain for sure. And really? it really helped with like, like the inflammation and everything like that. But it also really 
made me realize that like I'm not someone I'd never say I'm anxious I'm like I'm not anxious I'm so chill I'm Australian like whatever um I'm just really busy I've just got a lot going on I've just got 5,000 things going on and I'd like start talking like 5,000 words a second I'm like wait I think my anxiety is a form of like work anxiety and it's Mm. do list anxiety because I'm so busy and so for me it's that would perpetuate into a form of anxiety and like a bit of a like semi-panic talk all the time. A bit of a downward spiral. Yeah. No, just like always being on, like mm. always in that fight, respo- fight, fight yeah. response all the time. Do you know what I mean? And to be like that all the time, your body's exhausted. And so it was funny. I was like, I can't focus. Maybe I need Adderall. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. Like, I don't know. Maybe I need ADHD. Sure. Um, but instead, having CBD morning and night, I realised I've all, all of a sudden had this air of mental clarity where I could process my thoughts so much better. And instantly I'm like, okay, yes, I've got a lot of things going on, but I'm just going to tackle it one at a time. Wow. So then it came to the stage where they were like, look, you need surgery. You can't do anything. Like, you're useless. Like, this is the only way out. Um, and I thought I would have had a full on breakdown because in the past a year ago, if you told me you could not work out for two weeks, no, sorry, 48 hours, <laughs> two days, let alone two weeks, let alone two, three months, wow. I would have had a panic mm. attack. Like I, I had to work out every day. Otherwise I was a psycho, but having CBD morning and day and like, you know, all the time. I just, I didn't even, I didn't even get upset about spinal surgery. I didn't cry once. I cried more when I like, like it hurt my foot. Do you know what I mean? Because I was more upset about working out then. But I'm like, do you know what? Like, this is it. This is going to be fine. I can, I'm doing my best. And it made me realise that no matter how much shit hits the fan, things are going to be okay. Like, there's no mm. point, like, getting yourself in a, like, thing about it. So is that kind of where the idea for the brand was sparked? You weren't able to, you know teach classes for a number of months. Yeah. You had this great experience with CBD. You had this passion for food. It kind of Definitely. feels like all so, of these things married into one. And that's exactly it. And it made me realise I'm not 21 anymore. I can't scale my body. Um, you know, like you can only get to a stage where sometimes like one day this is going to stop. Like, or I don't hate to say it, I get hit by a car tomorrow. What the fuck am I going to do? Like, mm. so it made me realise that I need like more tangible things apart from fitness because I couldn't even film a booty band video. You know, mm. and I couldn't do anything. And so that was just like a bit of a, oh God. So the food was like obviously a natural progression. It was great. And yes, that's how it started. I mean, it's a huge opportunity over here and the CBD industry is growing. It's meant to be worth, what, $1.12 billion next year. actually said no. They've just released new numbers like 20.2 by the end of 2020. That's insane. Crazy, yeah. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you upskill in understanding how to use that with the products that you wanted to create. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've created and what's on the market? Yeah, so we started off with um, CBD chocolate. So I've always made chocolate. Um like just for friends and whatever. Um, so I needed, I'm someone that I can't not know something. Like I can't look stupid. I hate that. So if someone asked me a question, I need to know the answer. So basically all of a sudden I've gone from never smoking weed in my life, apart from my stoner boyfriend when I was like 19. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never touching that again. Um, to now all of a sudden I'm like a cannabis like expert. No, no all the ins and outs because I'm like, I need to know everything about everything because I need to like be on top of this. So that was cool. Doing food products is a whole nother beast. It is just 
there's so many different things. Like there's so many different things you need to put in place. So that was kind of crazy. So I guess like the last 12 months has been a lot of like just self, like upskilling, like self-taught mm-hmm. stuff, like everything you do, there's just no blueprint for. So it's kind of like you can't making mistakes like daily, you know what I mean? And constantly like trying to keep your head above water um, just while you're trying to figure it all out, even down to like different types of packaging, like where you're sourcing your packaging from, um, having the verbiage on your packaging, like absolutely perfect. There's so many things you've got to include, um, how to wholesale items, like everything like that. Like um, chocolate needs to be tempered. You can't just like throw it, you know, together. Mm. Well, in the past, mm. I didn't know that. So, like, the first lot of chocolates weren't tempered at all. So they'd be great, but they'd probably last, like, maybe a week, not mm. even. Now they last a lot longer. So it's kind of like you're just learning constantly, mm. things like that. So we've got the chocolates and we did the protein balls as well. And then recently we've just ranged, launched our range of spreadables, which is, like, spreadable edibles. Mm. Which we just tried and it's so yum. So when you started the business, you had a co-founder yes. um, who had some of that food background. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that working relationship and how that's transpired over the last 12 months? Um, so, yeah, Jill and I met, we were walking our dogs and it was the same time, yeah, we were walking our dogs. My roommate did a photo shoot with her and she's like, wait, you need to meet my roommate. You're going to love her. I feel like you could do something together. And so Jill and I were like, okay, let's have a date. We'll walk our dogs. And then I was like, look, I've got all these ideas for food, chocolate, balls, everything like that. I need to make them. Let's do it. Um, would you want to do a collab? And so she's like, wait, well, I've got a facility because she owned a juice bar. Um, why don't we use my facility? It's your product, your branding, everything like that. Let's see how this goes. So we started as a bit of a test run to see, like, like to test the waters. Um, and it went really well, which is great. We loved working together. It was, she was like my work wife. It was the best. Um, and so things were great, you know, and they were, like, it was just fun. Um, but as businesses grow, I've got to work with Beck. She's got um, her juice, shop, juice bar at the same time. So we're both, like, we're constantly in that state of being spread really, really thin. And then it was like, what, two months ago, I think Jill decided that it wasn't really her main focus anymore. And so she left the business and so now it's just me. So what's that process been like for you having, you know, a co-founder who's doing half the work and now everything's sort of coming back onto you. Have you managed over the last couple of months with everything else that you've got going on? It's been a lot because now it's trying to find, start this team from scratch. That's the other Mm. thing. So it's trying to find a really strong foundation team of someone that's really good at logistics, really good at finances. I'm the creative. Great. So then, so we've got a really strong foundation. I'd say it's like, you know, like building a house whatever, you're not going to build a house and expect it to last forever on a really shitty foundation. Mm. So similar with a business, I'm like, this has to be a really strong, solid team that have the longevity that are going to to make this last forever so we can blow it out of the water. Yeah, Yeah, it's super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess so if you're, so your next focus for Go Basic is to build a team and bring in those strategic hires that can help you build the business and have the skill set that you might not necessarily have yourself. Definitely. In order to do that, you need money. Yes. How are you planning on doing that? Are you planning on funding that yourself? Are you going out to look for money? (laughs) So I've been very stubborn about the whole funding side of things yeah. since day one I'm like no I don't need anybody else's money I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine even through since I was like 15 to my parents I was like no I don't want your money like I literally don't take money from anybody like mm-hmm. I wouldn't even let them pay for my haircuts so I was like a psycho mm-hmm. um so with the business I've always been very like it's it's my baby it's so close to home so I don't let anybody else like 
contribute mm-hmm. anything. Um, now I'm at the stage where obviously I, I don't didn't have health insurance. I had to pay for spinal surgery. I mm. in America that was horrific, um, and so that was my life savings gone. And so then it was like all my other money was pouring back into the business. So money I was making from Sweat with Beck goes to Go Basic, and everything just goes to Go Basic. Yeah. So yeah. the fact I'm like staying afloat I literally have no idea (laughs) I always laugh I'm like if you listen to the podcast how I built this yeah yeah so you know the part where everything like kind of like turns to shit and they're all like about to like you know like stab their eyes out of like oh my god what am I doing I can't afford my staff I can't afford my rent I can't well my credit cards are maxed out that's basically me right now it's a really cool place to be be. yeah but Mm. the good thing about this is the trend is after this this is when it gets really good exactly so I'm just at the low part right now but um so I've decided I've have to raise capital which is a whole other beast so I'm gonna raise money through convertible note that's the plan right Yeah. yeah Um, tell us about that process. What have you been doing? Where are you up to? Who are you talking to? So talking to as many people as possible. And I think what's key in this whole situation is just to be very transparent with the whole mm. thing. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I need to raise money at all. Most companies Most do it. Do. That's yeah. how you scale. That's fine. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I think a lot of people keep their information to themselves. And I say it to like a lot of other entrepreneurs and stuff. It's like if you're building a brand, if I'm working on a product, I won't keep it a secret. I will tell you everything about my balls. I do not care. I will talk about it for days because it's the end of the day. If I'm like, or if I'm trying to find a factory for the food or some staff to make it, if I talk to you about it, you might know someone who knows Absolutely. someone and that's how connections are made and that's how you build your brand and build things. I think I speak on a lot of like panels where everyone asks you like information on like, you know, um, hi, I'm working on a product, but I don't really want to tell you what it is in case someone steals it. I'm like, mm. if you have that mentality, mm. if you already think before you begin that your thing's not going to be the best, then don't bother because mm. you, you don't believe in yourself enough to think that you mm. can beat whoever's going to copy your idea. Mm. It's not copying an idea. So similar with the raising money thing, I'm like, well, I know what I've got is a very strong brand, a very strong product. So basically my approach so far has been talk to every single person in the world, spend 5,000 hours a week on the phone talking to every VC person I can to make sure I'm fully versed in the world of raising capital Mm because it is a nightmare and it's so not my thing at all Um, because I, once again, I don't want to look stupid. I need Mm. to know the exact verbiage, everything like that. You need to just like, I need to talk the talk. So what kind of questions are you asking these people in VC? On the, like, I'm just yeah, really interested. Is, what are the questions that you're asking? There's so many questions. Like, like, there's so many things. Like you sit down with someone like, so like who's on your advisory board? And I'm like, um, like my dog. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like um, sure. Or like, you know, who are the strategic partners you're going to bring on? Who are the strategic hires? And I'm like, well, I would like to have strategic hires, but I don't have them yet because I don't have the funds to get them. So mm. I can't like... It's not like asking to someone to the prom. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, would you be my employee once I could get funding once, yeah. and I can employ? I can pay you in six months' time. Like, mm. that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, this is so stupid, but they want answers to all these questions. Yeah. And I'm like, so am I just creating a really good narrative here? Like, it's, it's that blows my mind. That, But I think kind of half the time you are a little bit and I think yeah. it's just you're not only selling like like creating the deck it's like a 20 page deck on like the investor deck of like pitching your brand and this and that and your vision that's been really cool because it's made me really analyze everything inside out like I know more about my business right now than I ever have before why because I it's forced me to deep dive in 
every little thing. So there was a fun side hustle. Now it has to be, it's my Mm. main hustle because I'm too proud to let it fail. So it's kind of like now I've had to learn, you you fine tooth comb your entire business. And it's really cool because it also makes you think about where you want to be and where you're going to be at and all that other stuff. So at the moment you're looking for a new team and you need to build that out. You're obviously talking to VCs and, you know, you want to seek funding. But then there's the day-to-day of looking after the business that already exists. Tell us what you're doing every day. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So it's um, the whole thing is what's frustrating is obviously I've got Sweat With Beck as well mm. as Go Basic. So now I was doing like 50-50. Now it's like 80% Go Basic and not so much Sweat With Beck, which kind of sucks because Sweat With Beck makes really good money and it's a, it's great. You know what I mean? It's already a thriving business. Mm. Um, I've stopped training most of my clients, that's for sure. So I'm only doing like maybe four sessions a week. Um, I'll do two classes a week a lot of like pop-ups and things like that. Um, I still work with all my, a lot of brands. I still do a lot of content creation and things like that because it's fun and I love that part of the job. Um, but then I'm in the office with Go Basic stuff a lot as well. So no job is beneath me right now. So it's like I'm literally packaging chocolate till 2 a.m. That's fine. Like it's like Saturday night. It's talking to my girlfriend. She's like, where are you? What's that noise? I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm just like bagging balls. And she's like, Beck, it's like 1130 at night. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I went out last night. I got it out of my system. But you know, this is my weekend now. And it's like, it's just, you're just doing everything and that's fine. But it's just trying to, and then you're also trying to grow your business, but like Mm. pitching Mm. new companies. So how we did it in New York, which worked really well, because everyone's like, wow, we see you everywhere. And it's like, I basically profiled myself or someone like me. And I was like, where would, where do I go? Where do I shop? Where do I eat? What cafes do I go to? What fitness studios do I go, do I go to? And I hit every single one of those places up when we first launched. And the idea behind that was that was a really quick way to build a brand identity. Because if it's a very Instagrammable product, but if mm. instantly every it girl in New York, it's like, oh my God, it's everywhere. I'm just seeing it. No, it's just the places you go to, but that's fine. Think it's everywhere. Mm. And so then everyone thinks you're a lot more progressed than you, than are, you are, which yeah. is great. But it also like that brings on the Instagrammable moments. You know what I mean? So if I'm on every single person's Instagram, my product is all of a sudden, because it's all the places they go to and they see it everywhere. It's kind of like subconsciously you're jamming it down to people's throats, which is great. And so that, that gave us like a really cool brand identity. And before then it's like, so now we can scale. So now it's like, okay, cool. Now we can hit up like the bigger places and this and that. Mm. So we got like the coolness factor down really quickly, which is great. It's really smart. That's yeah, really yeah. smart. Mm. What would you say to people who maybe have their own small business and they want to grow their their business strategic collaborations or the right collaborations, what advice would you give them in terms of picking the right brands, picking the right people? Has that been hard with for the you? right ideas? It hasn't, it hasn't. Like this bit's fun for me. I love mm. this part of the job. Like I love it. Um, I think what's key for what is really important for some people to like remember is know your brand inside out, know your values, know what you are, right? Don't ever partner with anybody that does not align with that. Mm. Like that will mess you up in a second. You know, even if it sounds like a good opportunity, if it's not on brand for you or it's not going to elevate you in the right direction, then there's no point. So you've introduced, essentially introduced a product in the cannabis space. Was there a barrier in terms of getting your consumers to buy and consume this product? Um, Look, the cannabis space, it's a scary one for people that aren't into it. It's like, what is this? Oh my God, you're smoking weed. I'm like, no, no, literally no. But... 
the whole idea behind the branding was to make it very accessible for people. So if you look at anything else in the cannabis space, anything either looks like a race car or it looks like some weird woo-woo, crunchy, hippy-dippy thing that's in parchment paper and this and that. And I'm like, that does not look cute. I don't want that. Or it looks scary. So the whole idea was to make this a very user-friendly, fun-looking product that people want to have. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, my God, what is that? Oh, my God, it looks so fun. So it's making... The introduction was making it more accessible for people to start off with. Um, as far as like getting people to like try it, our chocolates are really low dose, and that's the reason why is like to kind of like intro people into it slowly. CBD is completely non psychoactive, so it's not going to do anything bad for you. But obviously, it's like illegal in Australia, like which is another thing. So it's been like. It's been a weird space to be in. Also in New York right now, so to do a payment processor for a cannabis product is impossible. So I've been shut down from Stripe, PayPal, QuickBooks, everything like that because they just decided, no, now we won't deal with CBD. CBD is completely legal, but they still just decided they want nothing to do on their payment processor platform. So that's another hurdle. And then they keep changing different laws everywhere. So they really make it hard for a small business to sell like anything cannabis, which is kind of crazy. So how will you grow if you don't have access to those transaction platforms? Like what are you going to do? So how do you be, sell it? Well, you've basically got to pay double to use a, like a high-risk pro- payment processor. So like I'm selling a gun basically, which is such a joke. But it's oh, funny though because I'm sure at some point they will have to catch up to totally. the legalisation, you know. A million, but it, a million yeah. percent. And it, but I think it's just, it's just going to be a really yes. slow process. But that's why a lot of people don't have CBD brands right now. Yeah, and I can see but, why. It's, but it's definitely growing. I mean, we were at, we stayed at a hotel um, in Montauk mm. yesterday, and we like the lobby was just full of CBD, full of stuff. CBD products. Yeah, yeah, it's which huge... is like totally different to when I was here two years ago. <laughs> totally, no, it's it's really taken yeah. off. It's crazy how much it's grown. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, it's a great opportunity for you now. I mean, the time is now to kind of launch. Are you seeing the, the growth? Are you seeing the pickup? Are people getting around it more? Are they Definitely. I think to start off with, a lot of people are just asking a lot of questions, like, because everyone's like, what is this? I don't understand. Um, I think because I've got such a personal experience with CBD, Mm. I could talk about it till the cows come home. Like, I really, like, I believe in it so much as well as, like, you know, like stopping seizures, everything like that. It's crazy what it does. Um, So I think the more people dabble in it, the more mainstream it becomes. Like, now you can go to, like, your little corner store and it's everywhere. Mm. I think that's really helped. But now people are starting to become like CBD connoisseurs and they're all like everyone's an expert. So that's kind of <laughs> funny to see the shift of everyone being really scared to it. So now everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. I've read like five articles online about this. I know everything. And that's a whole other thing as well. Yeah. And has it um, challenged or compromised your Sweat With Beck brand? Because, I mean, when I think of fitness, I don't necessarily think of cannabis. You know, they, I can understand where you've come from, but have people gone, you know what, I actually don't, I don't see the match. I don't get it. Surprisingly not, Mm. which is funny because I was wondering if there'd be a weird little thing about that. So CBD is really big in the athletic scene here. Mm. It's huge because it's really good for recovery. CBD creams, CBD, like having it every morning and night, like it's good for inflammatory, like, you know, anti-inflammatory and all that stuff. So I think that's been great because people just like, it's a recovery thing. Um, As far as people... People already know my brand is very fun. It's very in your face. It's very sassy. It's very real. 
Um, I don't think anybody was really surprised. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like that's like the whole work hard, play hard thing. But it's also I treat myself like a human guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Like I will try anything. anything. Do you know what I mean? Because I need to have a full proper opinion on it. Totally. So I think. Um, people basically were following my journey as well in if you're following me on Instagram they know that I was experimenting with absolutely everything so I think that really helped create that like nice little segue into that as well nice so it's quite a dynamic space and it sounds like the laws or you know regulation keeps changing what are the implications on your business at the moment are you concerned a month ago, a law passed in New York to say that now you're not allowed to add um, CBD to any edible good, right? Which was like, wait, what the hell? Like that's that's a huge thing. So instantly everyone's menus changed, this and that, and they're going to start finding people. The problem with that for us was people were like, oh, that means you can't sell ingestible CBD. Cool. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not the case. <laughs> and so that's that was that's been annoying for a lot of wholesale accounts. So right now we're stocked in 40 places in New York. And like 20 in LA, which is great. But with those places, like, so like, like having that conversation with all of them going, no, 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 we're different. We're a packaged good. It's different because there is different laws for us because we're packaged mm-hmm. goods. So I think hopefully as the space gets more attention, they, people stop freaking out about it. Um, the government here is not the best, let's be honest. So I think it's just um, waiting till that time comes, you know, to people be more. But what's annoying is, for example, like our chocolate, we have so many people reach out to try and sell our chocolate, but huge hotel chains have decided, similar to like Stripe and PayPal, they want nothing to do with CBD just because it's, they just can't find. Easier that way. So that's annoying. Um, uh, Urban Outfitters, we just sign them for our like our cookie dough and our um, balls, which is Amazing. super exciting. That's like my, like literally when that I was, was here, that, that was my mm. goal. That was it. I'm like, I have to be in here. Um, they can't sell ingestible CBD. They've decided they can't. But when they're finally allowed to, because it's just passing their own corporate laws, then we'll be one of their products. But until that, they can't have our CBD products. So that's why we've also launched non-CBD products too. So then it's like kind of covering all bases. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Why do you think you've been so successful? What's the key to success for you? Um, I think keeping things really real, super authentic and um, working your ass off, like making live and breathing your brand. Like I can't emphasize that one enough, like collaborate with as many people as you can, like support other people, help your friends. It's karma is such a big thing. You know Mm. what I mean? Like if you're renowned for being a team player that helps other people, that's going to pay off. Like Mm. it will only do good. Um, I think people can get really stressed and wound up in their own stuff, which I fully relate to. But at the same time, you've got to remember people are people and they're not like, you know, like they're not disposable. You've got to treat people like it's long haul. Yeah. And I think that really helps when you're trying to build a network. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Great advice. What is next for you and what's next for both of your businesses? Um, uh, I think I'm going to raise a shit ton of money. It's going to be great <laughs> for Go Basic. Um, my vision for Go Basic is to make it, basically make it the glossier of the food world, which I know I can do and I will do, determined happening um as far as sweat with beck i'm hopefully gonna raise this money for go basic and get a team together so i can start doing more sweat with beck again Mm because i love sweat with beck she's great Mm -hmm. um so super cool yeah thank you so so much so much it's been so good so fun so much fun 
This was a pretty massive chat and we are so grateful to Beck for her honesty. Um, building a business can be bloody difficult at times and everyone goes through some form of hardship. And I think if there's one thing that you can take from this, we really hope that it's the inspiration to just keep on going. You really can overcome anything life throws at you and that's something that we took out of this episode. Lastly, one little tip. If you're searching for your next big idea or business opportunity, why don't you look overseas for inspiration? Because, you know, the CBD industry is far, far more progressed in the US than anywhere else. And there are lots of other business concepts over there that we've seen that haven't made their way to Australia or Europe yet. You know the drill. Come across to ladybrains.com.au to continue the conversation and find out more info about the podcast and events. Ladyland is a Podcast One Australia production. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolic. For more great podcasts, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.